you would grab a seat. Good morning. Um, <clears throat> about this time last year, uh, you might remember that we were uh, working our way through a what we called a vision series. It was a, a simple framework we were using to talk about what is it that God is doing in our midst? What is it that God has called us to do and be as, uh, as a community? And we said that what we really felt called to be is pretty simple to say, hard to do, um, but to be a, a community following Jesus in Houston. And we kind of unpacked that. But we really said you could boil that down to three kind of key goals, our goals as a community. Does anybody remember what those are? It's to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and to do what Jesus did. Those are our goals as a community. Uh, and so we are pressing into, into those different goals. Uh, and over the past six months, we've worked through the book of Acts with that kind of framework in mind. Because we wanted to ask the Lord, what, what would it look like to be a church that really was, was living that way? That was living in such a way that we were with Jesus and becoming like him and, and beginning to actually do the kinds of things that Jesus would do if he lived here. If he lived in this place. If he lived in the neighborhoods if he walked our halls at school or at work, what would he do? What would it look like? So we've been pressing into that, and we've been asking, how can we do that? And we've discovered we can't. <laughs> we can't apart from the Holy Spirit. That's how we can be with Jesus here and now. We can be with the Lord Jesus because the Holy Spirit, the indwelling, personal, empowering Spirit of God, Jesus' own Spirit has been given to us and lives within us. And so we, we've discovered that, and it's been exciting to go through the book of Acts and kind of see what that looks like in the life of a community. And it's got me excited about what God uh, is doing and can do in the life of apostles and where he's taking us and, and what that might mean not only for, for each of our lives, but what it might mean for our community, for our city, and even for the world. And so uh, it's exciting to press into this vision, to pursue this vision with the Lord. But this morning, what I want to uh, talk about is something that I am uh, absolutely convinced has the ability to derail that entire vision. Something that uh, is going on within us, within me and within each of you, something that's happening within our community that actually has the capacity to sabotage and to destroy that entire vision that the Lord has given us. And so there might be a lot of things kind of popping into your mind. Well, what, what would that be? What, what might sabotage, derail the whole thing? And I can almost guarantee you it's none of the things <laughs> that you're imagining. But it's a problem that we all have. And Jesus speaks to it this morning in our gospel reading. We just heard it. This is what Jesus says in Matthew 11. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. The Lord Jesus' invitation is to the tired. This is an invitation to the rundown, the stressed out, the over busy, right? For people who may look great on the outside. And you guys look awesome this morning. You look so good. You look really good. 
However, on the inside, I know many of you are struggling, right? Many of us are struggling with this very thing. On the inside, we feel weighed down. We feel emotionally and spiritually tapped out, burned out. We're struggling. We're people who are are bone-weary, soul-tired. That's the reality for many of us. And so I, I think if we're honest about this reality in our lives, that we would, we would have to admit that we feel that way way more than we let on. That we feel that measure of tired, of fatigue, of weariness, of burden. And it's, it makes sense. I mean, we, we live in a busy culture, right? We have a busy culture. How are you doing? How, how was your weekend? Oh, it was so busy, right? It's almost like a badge of honor. I'm so, man, what's going on with you? Oh, man, I can't even begin to tell you. I'm so busy, so busy right now. It's busy. It's a busy life. It's a busy city. You get on the street, it's busy everywhere in Houston. Go to work, you're busy at home. Life is busy over and over and over. You whip out your smartphone, you're just busy. There's no gap. There's no margin. You're always doing something. We're busy people. And the reality is that we live uh, in this state of busyness, like constantly, constant busyness. And it's what a, a counselor friend of mine, it causes what a counselor friend of mine uh, refers to as floating anxiety. Have you ever heard this term, floating anxiety? Basically what he's saying is it, it's kind of like a low-grade fever. You just have it all the time. And it's just kind of just beneath the surface. You have this measure of anxiety and stress because we're just so busy. And so Jesus' invitation is for us. It's for busy people living in busy times. I love what Eugene Peterson, uh, uh, how his paraphrase goes from this, uh, these verses in Matthew 11. Let me just read what he said. He said it this way. He said, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me and learn how I do it. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Raise your hand if you want that. Yeah. <laughs> I want that. I long for that. But so often that's not what we experience, isn't it? I mean, it sounds amazing. It sounds like what uh, another pastor, John Mark Comer, calls the unhurried life. It's the antithesis, right, of the way that most of us live most of the time. It's the unhurried life. And what he says is the unhurried life is, is a way of life that feels good, feels free, feels light, no matter what we are facing. No matter what we're facing, when we wake up in the morning, that we are ready to follow Jesus. That's the unhurried life. But if we're honest, most of us don't experience that, that kind of life. I think even uh, for those of us who are convinced of Jesus, we put our trust in Jesus, we're, 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 we're striving to follow him. We want to be faithful and obedient to the Lord Jesus. But we feel tired, don't we? Like Peterson says, we feel worn out. We feel burned out on religion. And I just want to say this morning, if that is you, 
If that's what you're experiencing, you're not alone. You're not alone. I feel this way. I think most, if not all of us, experience this in some measure. And the great thing is there's good news from Jesus on this this morning. Jesus' invitation to us this morning, as we've heard, is to a radically different way of life. And it's a different way of life. In Matthew 11, uh, what we encounter is what Dallas Willard calls Jesus' secret of the easy yoke. Jesus' secret of the easy yoke. He writes this. Willard says, The secret involves living as Jesus lived in the entirety of his life, adopting his overall lifestyle. Our mistake is to think that following Jesus consists in loving our enemies going the second mile, turning the other cheek, suffering patiently and hopefully, while living the rest of our lives just as everyone around us does. It's a strategy, he says, that is bound to fail. In short, the problem, what he's saying, the problem is that that we try to experience the life of Jesus without actually taking any changes in our life to, to kind of step into the way of Jesus. Does that make sense? We say, oh yeah, I want that life, but then we don't actually adjust the way that we're living. Because following Jesus isn't just a set of beliefs or, or, or behavioral changes. It's, it's a whole way of life. It's a whole way of going through life. So that's why Jesus, I think, uses this image of a yoke. So I, I found this picture just to help us kind of visualize when we talk about a yoke. Because uh, does anybody have a team of oxen at home? Okay, right. So we need a little help. This is outside of our kind of our, our reality. So this is what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about, you know, kind of hooking up a couple of cows or some oxen and putting a yoke on them, right? So Jesus uses this image. And one of my favorite uh, Bible teachers of all time, he's got this incredible commentary on the book of Matthew, a guy named Dale Bruner. Uh, he wrote this uh, about what Jesus says here about the yoke. Listen to this. He says, a yoke is a work instrument. Thus, when Jesus offers a yoke, he offers what we might think tired workers need least, They need a mattress. They need a vacation. They don't need a yoke, right? But Jesus knows the most restful gift that he can give the tired is a new way to carry life. He says this, realism sees that life is a succession of burdens. We cannot get away from them. Thus, instead of offering escape, what Jesus offers is equipment, a yoke. Jesus means that following his way of life will develop us in a balanced way of carrying life that will give us more rest than the way that we have been living. He says, life is a succession of burdens. Isn't that true? There's a weight. There's a weight to life, to our relationships, to our, our responsibilities. And I don't know about you, but the longer I live the heavier that burden becomes because you've got more and more relationships, more and more responsibilities. And so the heavier that burden becomes, school, loans, mortgage, relationships, friendships, getting married maybe, maybe having a family, on and on and on. These things begin to kind of pile up. And so we carry this this burden, these burdens through life. And we're tired people. We're tired. We, we work 40, 50, 60, 70 hours a week, some of us, trying to, to maintain those responsibilities, right? Those relationships, our schedule's maxed out, our weekends are loaded, overloaded, 
And now on top of that, you come on a Sunday morning, and what do you hear? You hear, oh, man, you, you need to read your Bible. You need to pray. You need to get into a life group. Man, have you heard of Alpha? You should try Alpha. And then, man, are you here every Sunday? I haven't seen, I haven't seen you in a while. What's interesting about a yoke, I think, is that it's usually tied to two animals. Do you notice that? Two animals in order to carry a load. See, Jesus is inviting us. Remember, it's an invitation to a way of life. It's an invitation that says, come alongside me. Come alongside me. Let me carry most of the weight, right? And you, you kind of come in alongside, and you walk at my pace, and you let me kind of carry the heavy burden. And it will be much, much easier. That's what Jesus is inviting us into. And the reality is that it's really hard. It's really hard to try and follow Jesus when what you're doing is you're just taking the way that everyone else around you lives who isn't following Jesus, and you just add Jesus stuff on top of it. You just add more burdens onto the load. In fact, if you try to do it that way, you will fail. You will be burned out on religion. The easy way, the light way, the way that Jesus invites us into is to radically alter your life and take on the pattern of Jesus' life to stop piling on and instead alter the way you live so that you come alongside Jesus and you walk with him. You follow in his way. We adopt the way that Jesus lived and we yoke ourselves to him and walk at his pace. That way we can learn, as Peterson says, to live freely and lightly. So, that sounds great. That sounds awesome, but it's hard it's hard to live that way. It's hard to kind of tuck in there next to Jesus. And the biggest thing I find that makes it so hard is that I'm resistant to doing one of the main things I have to do in order to go there. You know what it is? I don't like to slow down. We don't like to slow down. We have a really hard time with that simple step of slowing our lives to the pace of Jesus. Um, it's interesting in the Gospels, have you ever noticed how Jesus never seems to be in a hurry? The guy is so busy in a way. He's always doing things, but he's never like in a hurry. In fact, he gets in trouble for this often, doesn't he? People are like, you were supposed to be here doing this thing, and you're over there doing that thing. Or Jesus, you know, we got to get there now. It's going to be too late. If we can't, if this pace, you got to pick up the pace, Jesus. I mean, this is the way the disciples talk to him. They, they say, you got to hurry more. And Jesus would never hurry. He's never in a hurry. In fact, he, he had this habit of, of going off. Even when crowds had gathered around him, were clamoring for more of him, he would withdraw, he says, to lonely places. He would get away. He would find time to pray and just be with his father. Again, to quote Dallas Willard, Willard says this. He says, hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly, he says, eliminate hurry from your life. Now, that's quite the claim. The great spiritual enemy of our day is hurry. 
There's a lot of things you could put in that category. And he puts hurry at the top of that list. And I think there's a lot of truth in that. I think in our modern Western cultural moment, hurry is a spiritual issue. You know, not all spiritual attack is overt, is it? You don't always see it coming. In fact, I think the most destructive attacks of our enemy often are those that we never see coming. And what I want to ask this morning is, is it possible, is it possible that the devil's greatest weapon in our day is distraction caused by hurry? Distract us from Jesus with our phones, with our work, with our full schedule, with our, our, our kids' sports events, with our Netflix queue, whatever it is. Just keep going on and on and on. Distracted. We are distracted, busy, overcommitted. And our technology over the past hundred years has made it even harder not to hurry, right? It's so interesting. It's made, it's made things more efficient in a way, which should give us more what? Time, and yet, what do we never have enough of? We never have enough time. There was a famous Senate uh, subcommittee in 1967 that uh, was talking about the, the impact of technology on Americans' future. And it, it actually says this. It's, this is documented. It says that what they decided was uh, it would probably lead to the fact that most Americans would work 22 hours a week on average and that they would have uh, only to work 27 weeks a year. Right? Anybody doing that? See, they thought the main problem in the future was going to be too much leisure time, too much time, because of all this technology, and the opposites happen. Things have trended in the other direction. Studies show that we have less leisure time than we did 50 years ago, by almost 40% less leisure time. Studies uh, have said that, uh, that we are um, so fixated on our phones, for example. We've talked about this, that it's eating up time. It just, it's a time suck. Time just disappears. Have you ever had that experience? You're just like flipping on your phone, you look up, and like 20 minutes have gone by, and you're like, what happened? Time. It just eats up time. You know, it's interesting. This, I vaguely remember this when I was a kid, that Sundays used to be a time when like the whole town would shut down. Like pretty much everything was closed. You know, it was like Chick-fil-A everywhere, right? You know, which why is it that every time I want to go to Chick-fil-A, it's a Sunday? Like I just roll up and I'm like, ah, you're the ones that close on Sunday. But, you know, that's, that, that was a reality. Can you imagine waking up and the whole town is just like, no, nah, it's like quiet. This is Sunday. This is a, this is a rest day. And we don't, we don't have anything like that anymore. You know, this all got even amped up more in 2007 when, uh, when something really powerful happened, something really uh, kind of cultural shifting happened. Does anybody know what, what got released in 2007? The iPhone, the iPhone, the smartphone entered into our reality, right? And, and we've talked about this. The average smartphone user touches their phone 2,617 times a day. An approximate average of about two and a half hours a day. Younger adults, it jumps up to five hours per day. The behavior associated with this is compulsive, is what psychologists are telling us now. For many of us, it's an addiction. We have, we have to check our text, our email, our Instagram. We have to play that game. We have to, what's on Twitter? We just can't help ourselves. We're, com we're compelled. And if you're sitting here thinking, well, I, I know other people have that problem. <laughs> I want to challenge you. When you go home today, turn your phone off and sit it by the door. 
I bet you can't do it for six hours. Try 24. It's, it's compulsion. We're, we're addicted to this thing. Ruth Haley Barton, I posted this on our Instagram account if you want to see the full list, but I just want to hit a couple of these. She, in her book, Invitation to Silence and Solitude, which I highly recommend, uh, she lists off several signs that you're living a hurried life. And here's just a few. So just think in your mind about your own, like kind of how you're feeling, even like this morning. This is the list she gives. Irritability, right? So you're just on edge all the time. This is signs of a hurried life. You're on edge. You easily lose your temple. You're snap. If you got kids, man, they do a little thing, you, you blow up. You overreact, right? Irritability, hypersensitivity, it's really easy to hurt your feelings. Three, restlessness. When you do stop to rest, you you cannot relax. You can't actually relax or maybe even sleep. You know, you, you, you have to be doing something, fidgeting with your phone. You have to be doing something. Restlessness. Compulsive overworking. Numbness. This kind of numbness to reality. It's particularly a lack of empathy for others. Escapist behavior, right? Binge watch TV, social media, pornography, alcohol, addiction. It's almost anything just to get out, to escape this overwhelming sense of a hurried life. All that to say, something is deeply wrong within us. Something is wrong. We cannot slow down. And the problem isn't that we need more time. If we had more time, we'd just fill it with more stuff. We've proven that. If we had more time, we'd just fill it with more stuff. Jesus said this is the answer. Luke chapter 11 said, Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Jesus is inviting us to choose what is better. We need to be with Jesus. We need to take up his way of life. We need to slow down or it will kill us. It will kill our relationship with Jesus if we don't slow down. Over the coming weeks, we're going to ask Jesus to teach us his way. We're going to look at different places in in Scripture, look at his life, look at the life of Elijah, some teachings from the New Testament, because we need to learn how to slow down. We need to learn how to live the unhurried life, to step into these places of silence and solitude. So we're going to to explore that together. But I I wanted to leave you with just a few practical things this morning that you you can begin, maybe, to slow down. Okay, these are some real practical kinds of things. So um, if you want to jot these down, um, I think it'll be helpful. So here's one. Uh, Practice Sabbath. Practice Sabbath, a day of rest, right? Set aside one day a week just to be, not to do, right? Not to accomplish things. Just rest, Consider turning off your phone. Don't check your text. Don't check email. Don't do any work. Read, sleep, pray, eat, be with family, be with friends. Do things that are life-giving for you. Sabbath, rest. On our street in the Heights, there are um, uh, speed humps. You know, speed, like I heard a neighbor call them speed pillows the other day. Um, like they, they're, they're, they're meant to do what? Slow you down, right? You, you come to them. And it's amazing. I'll watch people cruise down our street 
uh, and they'll fly over those things. Just bam, and you can hear them because it, it slams on the bottom of their car. You know, it's killing their suspension. You know, it's dangerous to other people around. And, and I thought of that because Sabbath is like speed bumps, okay? Sabbath is like a speed bump for your week. You need something built in that's going to help you slow down, right? Slow down from the frenetic pace of your life. And look, you can blow past it, just like they're blowing past those speed humps. But it's not good for you. And it's actually dangerous for others around you, for you to live that way. So Sabbath is our opportunity to slow down. It's a built-in way for us to slow down each week. So one, practice Sabbath. Two, set aside some times every day just to sit still and pray. I've been really challenged by a friend to do this. Pastors are the worst at this, of not setting pace just on a day-to-day basis. I have to work at this. It's the same idea as Sabbath, built-in speed bumps, right, to slow you down. It doesn't need to be long, a few minutes in quiet prayer in the morning, uh, maybe before anybody gets up, uh, a few minutes in the afternoon, a few minutes at night, just to sit still and be quiet, and maybe, I, you know, we've, I've shared this before, just a simple prayer. And maybe this, you can come up with your own prayer. But something like, God, you are here with me. Help me to be here with you. Just a simple prayer like that. Just pausing throughout the day several times to sit and wait. Psalm 46, be still. Be still and know that I am God. Three. Schedule an ideal week. Some of you will be all excited about this. Some of you, this sounds terrible. But schedule an ideal week. This is where you take a blank calendar, weekly calendar, and you schedule out what an ideal week would look like for you. You account for work and rest and play, and you got life group, and you want to be at church and worship and prayer, family, all these different pieces. You, You map it out like this is what it would look like if all my calendar matched up, in other words, with my values and my priorities. This is what it would look like, right? And sure, things are going to come up during the week. That's not going to happen, right? But you, you at least have some sense of what you're aiming for. And it gives you some idea of, wow, how are my, my values and my priorities and, and this way of Jesus that I want to live lining up with the reality? Because a lot of times we're just reactionary, right? We're just burning through the week, and we have no sense of how we're actually using our time. So schedule an ideal week. Four, simplify your life. The aim is to strip your life down. Uh, to what really matters. What's the, what's the uh, KonMari? You know, you want to kind of sp- spiritually KonMari your life, right? Isn't that what it's called? Yeah, yeah. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Say what? We don't care. <laughs> KonMari is this, this, there's this woman from Japan, and she like, she like has developed this whole technique of like getting ready all your extra stuff, like simplifying your life. You guys, anybody, isn't this on like HDTV or something? Yeah, okay, I'm getting a couple of thumbs up. So, so here, here, here's the idea. This is an this is, this is ancient Christian idea, simple living, right? All right, that was total derail. All right, simple living, simple living. Just stick with me. All right, here's what you do. Here's what you do. You're trying to limit your life to things that really matter. So you start with, like, money and possessions, for example. You're trying to eliminate clutter, extra stuff, extra clothes, shoes, toys, whatever it is. You're trying to simplify your life, the things that you don't actually need. 
You're getting out of the way. And then you do the same thing kind of with activities, right? You look at your calendar, you look at your, your life, and the, you, you're looking at the things that you don't actually have to do. You just said and they, yes to, and they've accumulated over time, and now you've got all these crazy commitments. You've got subscriptions you don't need. I mean, do I really need Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime? Like, do I really need all of that to watch TV? Okay, so just you're looking at your life, you're getting down to the core of what really matters with Jesus' life to full. Y'all are like, guilt, I feel so much guilt. <laughs> Don't feel guilt, just think about your life, okay? Um, and just go in and simplify, that's what you're aiming to do. Five, slow down your life. This is the last one, slow down your life. Find little ways to try doing this. Um, I, I, I've gotten these from uh, another pastor who um, came up with this list of things that he was doing, and I just have taken this on myself. So here's just some examples. You, you can come up with your own list, but just ways to simplify and slow down, right? So here's one. Drive the speed limit. <laughs> okay. In Houston, I'm going to add that. Drive the speed limit, but not on the freeway. Don't do that on the freeway. You'll get hurt. You'll get hurt in Houston. Uh, drive the speed limit. Come to a complete stop at a stop sign. Actually stop for like a second and then proceed. All right, so stop. Arrive 10 minutes early to an appointment and don't take out your phone. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> I think it can be done. I don't know yet. I'm going to try it. I think it can be done. So go for a walk. Go for a walk. Not for exercise. Just for what they used to call a stroll, right? Just go for a walk. No aim. Just walking. Practice the ancient spiritual discipline of single tasking. Y'all remember that? It's back back in the 90s. People used to do like one thing at a time. Now we multitask, 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 multitask. What, what if you only did one thing at a time? Instead of like watching TV and checking Twitter and catching up with your spouse while you're eating dinner, what if you just did one thing? This is, this is the kettle-like thing going on here, right? So we're working on this, okay? So just hear that. We're all in this together. Turn your smartphone into a dumb phone. Apparently, there's an app for this. You can actually turn your phone into just a phone. Maybe I think phone and texting, but that's it, right? So um, spend time reading, spend time journaling, lots of other ideas. But think about your life. Think about how to slow down your life. Make a meal with somebody, uh, you know. Ride in the car without music, without a podcast on, just in the silence. Just try little things like that. I, I was amazed at how little things can make a huge difference to your soul. That, this past week, uh, Monday, I took the day off, and Bennett's home from preschool on Monday. And so we were kind of hanging out, but it was great. Langley let me sleep in. I got up, had a cup of coffee, was just kind of hanging around the house. It was quiet. You know, Bennett was reading a book, and then he finished up, and we, we went and sat on this bench by this big back window, in, uh, at our house, and it was raining, <clears throat> and I just said, Bennett, come over here, and we just sat on the bench, and we just listened to the rain. We were just sitting there listening, quiet, not talking, just looking out the window, and then he goes, Dad, he's like, let's open the window so we can really, like, we can hear it, like, hitting the leaves and stuff, and so we cracked the window, and we just sat there, and it was like two minutes, but just listening to the rain, and it, it was, it just was good. It just felt good to my soul, right? Just to be still, to slow down. Now, you may be thinking, well, these don't sound like very spiritual things <laughs> you know, that I just listed off. Some of them more than others. But I think if we want to experience the life 
that Jesus is offering us. We've got to find ways to cultivate in our lives space for that to happen. And we don't have space. We're so busy. We're so overcommitted. We are go, 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 go people. And so if we're going to be spiritually healthy, if we want to become more aware of God's presence, we've got to slow down. And these are just some practical ways to help us slow down. So this is just a start. We're going to, like I said, we're going to press into this over the next six weeks. Uh, I'm learning how to do this myself. Everything, almost every word that I've shared this morning is not from, from me. It's from other people who have gone before. It's from people like this book I'm recommending from Ruth Haley Barton who have walked in this discipline for a while. I've, I've, I've flirted with this at points in my life. I want more. I want us to have more. So we, we want to we do this together. We want to ask Jesus to help us. And so that's what we're going to do. Um, there's a resource card in the lobby. It says silence and solitude on the top. It tells you what we're going to look at every week and gives you the scripture. So you can go ahead and read ahead. You can kind of be prepared for what's going to happen when we talk together on Sunday. And then it's also got a list of resources. The main one that I want to point you to is this book. Again, Ruth Haley Barton. It's called Invitation to, Silence, to Solitude and Silence. It's a great book. But there's like six or seven other ones there. If, the, if you try this and you're like, ah, I don't really float my boat. There's lots of other great books about how you can kind of enter into this discipline. Just being with Jesus. And so pick up that card. Um, on your way out. The other thing that we're going to uh, begin doing this week is we're going to put together a little resource, um, kind of uh, online resource that you can use to help you each week as we go, as we progress through the series, um, whether it's in your life group or whether it's as an individual or as a family, you, there's some things that you can do, some questions, some readings, um, some practices. That's the thing. Talking about this, easy. Doing this, hard, right? So we need, we need to practice. We need to, we need to figure out how we're going to do this and so we're going to do that together. Sound good? Okay. All right. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we, um, we need your help. Lord, we need to hear those words that you spoke to Martha. Because we're, we're, we're worried. And we are burdened people. We're worried about many things. And your invitation is, is to the one thing, and that's you. So, Lord, would you, you would invite us into this place, Lord, of silence before you, of, of quiet, of stillness. Because we want to encounter you, Lord Jesus. And so we need your help. Holy Spirit, would you help us? enter into this together, that we would learn to be with Jesus. I pray this in his name. Amen.